0: all right you got to turn to the book of colossians go to colossians now tell me have you been reading it ahead of time like checking going ahead reading meditating on it just pastor Cheryl. anybody else is anybody surprised that we're in the book of colossians again You know, it's so good. I mean, we're in it all summer. I encourage you to just soak in it. Read ahead of time. Just soak in it. Next week, we'll jump into the end of chapter one, end of chapter two. Start reading it. Read verse after verse and just read the whole thing through several times just so you get the overall gist of the book and then just attack portions of it and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because, you know, when you have a working revelation of the book of Colossians, you're going to be unshakable. Many consider it one of the greatest writings Paul's ever made because in this, Paul refutes every, every area where there could be deception or any false teaching or anything that could hinder you or trip you up. If you get a real incredible working knowledge of the revelation in the book of Colossians, you won't get tripped up. You won't get turned aside. You're going to experience the goodness of God and the fullness of it. That's a good reason to get into the book of Colossians. Well, I don't like to read. Get over yourself. This is a living book. And it's not a really big book. I mean, you can read it really, really fast, but it's really good. Now, we're going to approach a portion today that is massive. We're going to approach a portion today that if the Holy Spirit penned anything really incredible and wonderful, this is one of those things. This is one of those portions of Scripture that the Holy Spirit laid out in incredible detail, and this is something that you're just going to be gushing out of your seat. You're going, yeah, it's like, whoa, maybe not, yeah. I'm telling you, you will. So come on, get over here, get over here. Look, bunch you look at this, look at this here. Some ministry. Anybody know who this guy is? This guy, this guy uh, is the greatest distance walked by a person continuously balancing a full pint of milk on his head. He went 24 miles, and it was set by Ashrita Furman of Jamaica, New York, July 10th, 1983. What an amazing thing. eh? Imagine putting a pint of milk on your head and walking 24 miles. Pretty amazing guy. Now this guy, he said I wasn't really athletic when I was a kid, you know, didn't compete much in too many things, but I got really hung up on the Guinness World Book of Records. And I started reading all these things that people had done and he decided I can do some of that stuff. And he decided I'm gonna get myself in the Guinness World Records. So you know what he did? He put a pint of milk on his head and he walked 24 miles. This afternoon, you put a pint in your head, walk 24 and a half miles, you're in the book. You'd be pretty special. Now that's interesting, but you know that he has been in the Guinness World Book of Records 600 times. 600 times, that's our friend there, right there, Ashrita Furman, still alive today, still doing crazy things. He now, he has had 600 records today, as of 2017, he still currently holds over 200 records. Isn't that incredible? You go look it up, because I can't do all the homework for you, all right? Don't expect me to do everything for you, all right? I'm just throwing some seeds out. I mean, just a couple things. Here's, then Look at the next slide. He, I don't know where he did this, but he rode a bike underwater, and he has the record for doing the most uh, miles underwater. He also underwater rode a unicycle, not just a bicycle, but he rode a unicycle, and the record for distance underwater for a unicycle is 1.3 miles. All right, I got a pool. I might try that really awesome, you know. Now this, I really like this one, most knives caught in a minute, in a minute. There's 60 seconds in a minute. He caught 54 knives in a minute. Now I didn't research to find out how fast they were being thrown at him, but I mean, they got to be coming pretty quick to catch 54 in a minute. One, two, three, four, boom, you know. How many are just overwhelmed by this? Who is this guy? I mean, this guy is something else, like pretty amazing. Fastest mile walking on shovels, he took two shovels and used shovels to walk on. Who knew that that was a world record? Who knew that you could be in the Guinness world record by the fastest mile walking on shovels, 24 minutes and 25 seconds. Who could break that this afternoon? Who could, could, come on. I'm feeling like somebody here has the skill set to do that. Don't you want to be awesome? Don't you want to be amazing? This is Uh, I didn't research it that far. I just, and there's so many more. And then you remember the, like, they got those kangaroo balls. He's got the record for uh, fastest mile on a kangaroo ball, most hours on a kangaroo ball. How many still have a kangaroo ball at home? Okay, never mind. I just wanted to show you somebody who's really, really amazing and really incredible. And I thought that was, that was pretty great. You know, like pretty special guy, huh? Today, I'm going to talk to you about a really special person though. I mean that seems crazy, that seems wild, but I tell you, I'm going to talk to you about somebody who literally is just going to blow your mind, and it's a passage of scripture that describes him probably better than any other scripture in the Bible. So I want you to really get into it. I want you to really embrace it. You can let that guy slip out of your head now, and you can move on to the next failure. Are right, you ready? All right, so today we're going to approach one of the greatest Christological segments of the entire Bible. Christological. Christological is Christ, the study of Christ, the ontological outlaying of Christ, and the revelation of Jesus and who he is. So Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, he explains exactly who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he continues to do as our risen Savior. <laughs> settle down. I know. Like, wow. Come on. This has got to be really incredible then. So here we are. We're in a place where religious pluralism and syncretism is encouraged. The truth is being diluted for the sake of unity. We're embracing all kinds. I tell you, if we would get back to the centrality of Christ himself, it would blow every single person's mind. The sad thing is, a lot of a lot of religion keeps on putting distance between you and God. Even charismatic religion, it's like it's like we sing songs like God, we're trying to get close to you, and He's like, I'm in you. And even charismatic Christianity, we're always pursuing Him and trying. Oh, we wish You would come, and and we'll do two more things. We're trying to get You out of heaven, and we're doing all of this mental gymnastics. You know, like, God's out of heaven. You know, we say his train fills the temple. I'm the temple. I'm not looking at some imaginary temple in the sky. I am the temple of God, and his train, a king had a train, and if his train was really, really long, it meant he had a lot of authority. So what the writer was saying is that his train is so long, it fills the temple. That's how powerful and how much authority he has. His train fills this temple. I'm not trying to get God down by observation. I'm not trying to bring him up. The kingdom of God is right here. But you know what? Whatever puts distance between you and God is false teaching. Whatever does anything to separate you or in any way cause you to think you're looking for something outside of yourself to manifest so that you can be close to God. Anything that does that is a false teaching. And anything does that, it is inspired right from the pit of hell to try to separate you from the one who abides in you. And that's what Paul in Colossians was going, these crazy teachings, these, this stuff where you can, you know, you're inspired to something, you're special, you can climb into something more wonderful than anybody else, stop it! You can't get any closer to Christ than you already are because he finished it all, completed it all, covered it all in every situation. He qualified as himself and he qualified you to be in a complete intimate relationship. You can never get closer than you are today. And Paul's writing to a little insignificant town in in Colossae, a town that was like outside of Pittsburgh. It used to be awesome, but the the mill closed down and everybody moved into Pittsburgh. What are you writing to Colossae for? Nobody lives there anymore. There was a church there and it was a church in crisis and that crisis was so severe, it had the seeds to affect all of Christianity and it needed to be dealt with. And those same things are alive and well an attack in the church in 2017 that's why Paul wanted to exalt Christ and he said if you want to be qualified for this the only way to qualify is he qualifies you he does it and if you're trying to get qualified through another path it's a false doctrine and a false teaching and the way he attacks the false teaching is to lift up Jesus In a place where religious pluralism, syncretism, here, there, he exalts the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Jesus is Lord. Therefore, he is fully able to qualify us as saints. He is fully qualified. Last week, we talked about that qualification. That was ours. That was ours. He's primarily, throughout this book, primarily, it's a book that's confronting heresy, confronting false teaching in the day. It's compatible and abrupt in its style. He confronts Gnosticism, Legalism, Mysticism, Ascetism, asceticism, and he deals with those things, and we're going to deal with those in the days to come. But before he starts to address those falsehoods, he first of all exalts Jesus, and here it is last week I mean I'm telling you that there is someone who has qualified you to be in his kingdom who has separated you from darkness who has put you in himself who has filled you in every way with himself I mean all of those wonderful good things he has done it you might then question who is this man who did all these things for us and so that's the progression of Paul Paul says I'm praying I'm praying that you might get a revelation of this wonderful God who's qualified you what did he qualify you for so we talked about all those benefits that he qualified you for last week. Now, the next question is Does he have the ability to do this? Like, is he really that powerful? What qualifies him to do that? Because I'd really like what Paul just prayed for to be my realization. Are you tracking with me now? All right, all right. So instead of attacking false teachers, Paul exalts Christ. By using their own language and their own terminology, he confronts the false origins of their teachings. Colossians 1.12, he says, I always, I'm always i always thanking the Father who has enabled you, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance that belongs to the people who live in the light. And why are you in the light? He took you out of darkness. He placed you in light. Are you in light? Absolutely. I am in him. He placed me in him. By faith, I am in Christ. By faith, I'm in a living, Relationship with God Himself. I am placed inside Him in the Trinity. The fullness of God dwells in me and I dwell in Him. I have every single thing I need and He's qualified me to be a partaker of all these incredible blessings. So He qualified me to make sufficient, render fit, to equip me with adequate power to perform. So, how is Jesus qualified to complete such a thorough redemptive work? Because of Jesus' preeminence, the only time that word is used in the whole Bible is in this passage he is preeminent he is protuo he is preeminent he is able to in in the one act of shedding his blood the one who is preeminent in the one act of shedding his blood he is able to reconcile and to restore all things to himself Somebody got it a little bit. That's so good. One act, through the one act of the cross, through the one act of shedding his blood, because he is so preeminent, because he is so supreme above all, the one who is supreme above all, he, through that one act, the one who had all things placed in him, the one who indwelt the fullness of everything, he, through one act of giving his life for your life, through that one act, he is qualified to make you holy, blameless, and perfect in his sight. He is able to reconcile everything in heaven, in earth, things seen, things unseen, dominions, thrones, powers. He is able to reconcile all things to himself by one act through the blood that he shed on the cross. Man, I could say that all day long and never get tired of it. It's so good. So, so good. All right, look, are you there? First, First, look at Colossians chapter one, verse 15. Now, please, just try not to fall out of your chair while I read this, all right? You ready? Colossians 1 he is the image of the invisible God he is the image of the invisible God the God who is invisible that you can't see Jesus is the image of the invisible God now Paul is saying this because they're trying to diminish Jesus they're trying to say well it's not just Jesus it's Jesus and a whole bunch of your effort a whole bunch of, you got to add to it you got to pursue stuff you got to go through the third gate the fourth gate around the corner through the thing and when you do this Wow, they're trying to turn the finished work of the cross into a little part of the equation. And Paul is saying, this is everything. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all. Say all. All. Not a bit of creation, but he is the firstborn over all creation. For by him all, say all. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, that are visible and are invisible, whether it's thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. One time found in the Bible, and it is right there. What is the apostle trying to say? Jesus, the one who has qualified you through his finished work of the cross, he is preeminent over every single thing. He's the head of it all. He's chief over it all. He created it all. It's sustained by him. He empowers it all. He's the beginning and the end of it all. That's the one who condescends to you. And he says, I declare you holy, pure, and righteous. Not in your sight and everybody else's sight, but in the sight of God himself. He has the authority to declare it. And he did. And it's absolutely so. Wow. Please sit back on your chairs. Fasten your seatbelt. Wow. This probably, that portion of the scripture was probably a church hymn. That's probably what it was. And they wrote hymns back then so that people could remember truth. And so they would turn a truth into a hymn. Because some people, or actually a lot of people in that day were illiterate. They couldn't read or write. That's why a lot of the Jewish teaching was called oral tradition. It was oral tradition because it had to be spoken to people because they couldn't read or write. So this was a hymn that they would put together. They'd take the truth. They'd take the lofty things of God and they'd turn it into a song just like we do to sing how lofty and how brilliant God is. So we get that in our spirit and we go, whoa, that's really good. So this was probably something they sang over and over again and Paul was referring to this and using it and may have it and said, this is something we need to keep before us over and over again. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him, all the pleroma, all the fullness of everything that there is, all of the pleroma of the cosmos, of the universe, it pleased him that in him all the fullness should dwell. Verse 20 and by him to reconcile all things. Are you getting a lot of all things here? You're getting a lot of all going on here? You're getting rid of that God really wanted to take care of it. All, there's not a single thing he is leaving out. You don't have to add a single thing to it. You just have to believe. And the minute you add stuff to it, you got a different teaching. That's why it's really good to get grounded in Colossians. All things dwell in him, the fullness of him, all things that please the Father. And to reconcile then all things. What, if you got to reconcile something, why do you reconcile something? You reconcile it because it's become conciled. So it has to be reconciled. You you have to see that something has been brought out of order. Something is disconnected, and we want to reconnect it. We want to reconcile something that is not right. Something that is broken needs to be fixed. So what is broken that God wanted to fix? It says that he wanted to reconcile all things to himself. Please, again, settle down. (laughs) Whoa, i will tell you. All things to himself by him, whether they are things on earth or whether there are things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, so if he made peace again, why did he have to make peace? Because there was not peace. so wherever there was things that were broken and out of order, he reconciled them, wherever there was not peace, he has made peace once and for all through the cross, through his blood. this passage and 35 seminars will get you a breakthrough this passage that revelation in your spirit will break you into the realm of where you understand you are an heir of some stuff you are an heir of all things and he qualified you to do it. In fact, to try to qualify yourself is to try to go another way, and he is the door. There's only one way, there's only one access, and thank God, because I'm a simple person. Jesus said, I am the door. Wow, that's real good stuff. That was good right there. Whether things on earth and heaven, he made peace through the blood of his cross. Verse 21, and you, you, say you. Just get nasty and point at your neighbor, say you. You who were alienated. You were alienated. You were separated. You were alienated. You were separated. It was broken. The relationship with the world. You were. Past tense. You were alienated. And you were enemies in your mind. Say mind. You were not enemies in the mind of God. You were not even enemies of God. You were enemies in your mind. And how were you enemies in your mind? You were enemies in your mind because you constantly screwed up. So you felt that because I screw up, I must have something screwed up in me. Therefore, I must not be what pastor said. Everybody else is qualified. Everybody else is holy and blameless. But I keep screwing up. So I have problems. So the devil joins in and says, you're right, you are screwed up. And then in your head, you start to concoct up things We're saying... Maybe it's not working for me. Maybe I've got to do something else. Maybe I need to add to it. Maybe I should strive a little bit. Maybe I should get back that love and feeling. What am I going to do? See, that's the nonsense people slip into, and it's all in their mind. And it's amazing how many universes are in some people's minds. You're really not an enemy of God, but because of, you know, bad works, because of things that people successfully do, has anybody successfully ever missed the mark of the glory of God? Anybody? You know, if you dwell on that, you don't throw that at the cross, and you don't say, thank you that that's forgiven. You know, if you dwell on that, you're going to start a stronghold in your mind, and the devil's going to bring a few friends, and he's going to build a castle, and he's going to have a stronghold where to persecute you and to accuse you. How many accusations are there in Christ? There are no accusations. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But, you know, when you screw up, I don't know if you're like me, but when I screw up, you go, man, I just acted out of my nature. That is so stupid. And I can actually start to get into a a cycle where like, what is wrong with me? Why do I keep on doing that? And you can literally talk yourself into, you're messed up. When you really just need to immediately take that and go, I'm going to toss that one on you. I plead the blood boom and you know what it says the blood that it could not in the old covenant cleanse your conscience but the blood in the new covenant can cleanse your conscience it goes all the way in to deal with even your inner man and to remove every single way that you would attack yourself That's actually really good because you'll get bombarded with Colossian heresies you can buy them at the bookstore all kinds of them. today they're still very very active in the body of Christ And their people have TV ministries and all kinds of powerful gifts and strengths. And it's rubbish. Did you say rubbish, Pastor? I did. You know, this book, getting into this book, getting fully in this book, will keep you free of things that want to cause distance between you and God. Okay, that's good. Pastor, move on. All right, I'm going to move on. Okay. You were once alienated in your minds and you were enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. He is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in the sight of Pastor Carl. Wow, I can see you're really holy. Who cares what I think? Here's what he thinks you are holy, you are blameless, you are above reproach. Oh, that's not true. You should have spent the week with me. It was pretty bad. (laughs) Not in my sight, not even in your sight, but in his sight because of the one act, he is sufficient to do it. He is sufficient to qualify you. He is qualified to qualify you. And his blood is sufficient and supreme to completely, totally, utterly deliver you from anything that would hinder you. Wow. Whoa. We got one happy person back there. Okay. All right. All right. Look, what it says, now listen, though. Here it is. You ready? Verse 23. Verse 23. Now look at the first word in verse 23. You ready? Look at it. First word in verse 23. If. Ah, there's the rub. There's the catch. There it is, Pastor. You were saying a lot of really, really good stuff, but I knew that we'd get balanced out and brought down to earth because there's an if. There's no ifs in your redemption. There's no ifs in how he's qualified you. That is a brutal English translation. It should say because or since. And it's absolutely true. Don't even be moved on it. If you want it to say if, that's a demon speaking in your ear. Because that's downright religion. It should say since, verse 23, since indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I mean, how could you possibly lay out such an amazing qualification and then say, and it's only good for the next 20 minutes if you have five box tops of fruit loops and four boxes of Cornflakes. It's Christ alone. It's his finished work alone. And it's of grace. And it's by faith. And if we have anything to add to it, it stops it being grace. And it's no longer grace. It's the works of man. And it has no power to save. All right. I can see you wriggling in your chair. It's all right. Number one. Let's look at it. Number one. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying he is perfectly God. He is who? Jesus, that man. That man, Jesus, he was perfectly God. He was the exact exact image of God there's not any difference between Jesus and the father he is 100% perfectly God who is this Jesus what qualifies him to free us from the judgment the the way I'm attacking myself my mind my my self-condemnation who's the one who offers me such incredible grace who is it he is God himself it is Jesus, the exact representation of the God you can't see. You can now see, because you can see Jesus. So if you see Jesus, he is the absolute manifestation of God. Therefore, Jesus being perfect theology, if you grab anything from the Bible, anywhere from the Bible, and it does not go through the filter of Jesus as perfect theology, you must delete it, you must cast it down, and you must throw it out even if you found it somewhere in Leviticus or Numbers or some other place, if you don't bring it through the filter of the cross, at the cross, so much gets deleted and removed because Jesus, in the past, he tried to reveal himself in certain ways, through people, through cultures. I was trying to talk to you, but now I have exactly spoken to you. When I said Jesus, I spoke with clarity and I told you the absolute truth and I revealed myself fully. When you saw Jesus, you saw me. Wow, he is the image of the invisible God. Woo! John 14, 9, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. What? That's why they killed him, because he said he was God. He was God. He is God. He was absolutely man, but he was absolutely God. Hebrews 1, 3, he who being in the brightness of his glory is the express image of his person. Jesus is God. Who is Jesus? He is absolutely God himself. And he's nuts about you. And he's removed everything between you and the Father. And he has reconciled you to himself. He's made peace with you through himself. He declared he to cut a deal. God cut a deal with God. And in that he said, you get every benefit just by believing. Wowzer, 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 wowzer. Ha ha. Please stop, I'm trying to finish. <laughs> Number two, FF F. Bruce, oh, this was so good. FF F. Bruce, he said, It's because man bears the image of the Creator that It was possible for the Son of Man to become incarnate as a man and in his humanity display the glory of the invisible God. The fact that I'm created in the image of God was done on purpose so that God himself could come on man. That God could come and he could incarnate himself. God could become flesh and dwell among us. I was made in the image of God so I could become the address of God himself. Because man was in the image of God, Jesus was able to fill him. He was able to fill man because man was created in the image of God. And as a man, Jesus took every mistake, every folly, every sin, past, present, and future. Future. When did Jesus die for your sins? 2,000 years ago. When were you born? Oh, about 40 years ago. That means he died for your future sins. That means he still died for your future sins. Even the ones you'll commit tomorrow. Even the one you're committing right now. He died for every one of your sins. That's why I say sin doesn't matter to him. Because he said, I took care of that. It's kind of like, what about the check, Lord? Should we pay the check? No, I took care of it. It's okay. Come on, let's go. But Lord, we should pay the check. Shouldn't we pay the bill? No, I've covered everything. Come on. (sighs) He covered it past, present, and future. I know that freaks you out. That freaks people out because they're going like, but how could he cover my future sins? Well, how could he cover any of your sins at the cross? Everything for you then was future. Anybody here born 2,100 years ago? No. So that means every one of your sins are future. Does that mean I should sin some more in the future? No. His grace abound to you. The reality that you know who you are right now literally delivers you from the power of sin and the penalty of sin, and the appetite of sin, it gets completely destroyed the more you realize, I'm really awesome in God. (laughs) All right, number two, he is absolutely first. He is absolutely first. He is the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, whatever, principalities, power, whatever, had authority, any fallen demon, every, every raised up angel, whatever there is that you can see, you can't see. Everything was created by him. Everything, all things created through him and for him. Now, is he the firstborn? He's the firstborn, so so he was the first child. No, the firstborn has nothing to do with being born as a child in the family. Firstborn is a type. David was not the firstborn, and yet David had the firstborn anointing. Many, many people in the Bible were not the firstborn, but they had the firstborn anointing. He's referring to the fact that the privileges of being a firstborn, the one who was the priority, no matter where you are in birth order, the firstborn is the priority. The firstborn is first. Jesus is absolutely first in every way. Give me another slide. Look at this. He is a priority. It's a priority of position, not of origin. Because Jesus always was. Jesus is eternal, just like God the Father and the Holy Spirit are eternal, co-eternal, co-essential. Have all those co-manifestations of attributes in nature. They're absolutely one. They can't be divided upon. But Jesus has priority of position, not origin. Here's the rights of the firstborn. He is the person of creation by whom all things are created. He is the power of creation through whom all things are created. He is the praise of creation because it was all done to give him glory by him through him and for him were all things created and by the finished work of the cross and his shed blood everything has been reconciled to God but there's stuff not reconciled to God it is reconciled to God but there's some stuff that hasn't accepted the reconciliation there is peace with God it's just some haven't accepted the peace some are still living in their own self-condemnation or demonic condemnation. Some are even in religious institutions that are magnifying the distance between you and God. And 45 more courses and you can get closer. And those create distance and those are Colossae heresies. Settle down. I know that was exciting. You're leaping in your spirit. But I like doing stuff. I like qualifying myself. That's the flesh. It's not the fallen nature, it's the flesh. It's the guy who wants all the Guinness World Book of Records. It'll have you puddling, puddling a bike, puddling, peddling a bike underwater. That's what you'll do, trying to get closer to God. What am I going to do today to get closer to God? I'm going to pedal a bike underwater for miles and miles and miles. It's amazing the religious nonsense that people get into trying to get where they already are. What was the lie of creation? What was the lie of the devil? You are God. Here's the lie from the devil. You could be closer. I could be closer. Yes, you could be like him. There's something missing. God hasn't completely supplied everything. There's something lacking. God's holding out on you. Don't you want to come to my closer conference? And they said, yes. And it made them further away. And that deadness that came in, that... This peace, that disrelationship, that dysfunction—Jesus is qualified through one act of the blood of the cross to bring you back in, to reconcile you to Himself once and for all. He qualified you for every benefit of a child, and nothing can take you out of the grip of His hands. Wow, man! I'm telling you, we need two services. We need the happy service and the and the grumpy service. Which one is this? What is the happy one, right? So we got to go to two minis. I'm skipping the grumpy service. I'm going. I'm going to have. All right. Number two. Do we get number two? Person. All right, let's go. Let's go on. Go to, go to number three. Number three. He is eternal. It says, and he is before all things. Straight up just means he existed before all things. It's a measure of time. He is outside of time. He is eternal. Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty. Who is this Jesus? Who is this great qualifier? Who is this one who brings me into complete fellowship with the Father? Who is this one who delivers me from religious strife? Who is it? He is the almighty God. He is the beginning and the end. That's the one. Number four. Number four. He's the dynamic sustainer. He's the dynamic sustainer. Now, I got all messed up this week in physics and all kinds of other stuff and started reading all kinds of things. You know, if you got an atom the size of a golf ball, if you got that, that, the, the, the center, the atom, the proton, and the neutrons pull them together. You got the center of the atom is a golf ball. Do you know how far away the nearest electron is? And that's just proportion to size. If it's a golf ball, how close is the nearest electron? Do you know how close it is? Three miles. Three miles. So that atom is a whole pile of space. There's a massive bunch of space. You is a big. You are more space than you are substance. That's just crazy stuff, isn't it? And it this chair is more space than it is substance, and yet it's moving and it's manifesting and it's vibrating so fast that me, my vibrating being, can step on that vibrating being and it can sustain me because it's produced to do so. But literally, it is more air than it is substance. That's why when I go golfing, there's a tree in front of me. I go, "That's ninety percent air." And then usually goes. Clung. Wow, I hit the 10% again, wow. But you know, we literally, scientists are saying, we are in somebody else's universe. We are guests inside of somebody else's whole cosmos. We are guests inside of something. And they literally say that this thing is all spinning so fast. This thing is moving so fast, everything that's happening in it, it cannot happen unless there is some outer force that is literally holding it together. It would spin out of control, except there's something. We're not even sure what it is. It's hard to even define it, but we know it's there because it has to be there because everything would just go poof if it wasn't there. But here's where it is. It was in the Bible all the time. It says he upholds all things by the word of his power. He sustains everything. Everything is key. In him, all things consist. They literally do. They scientifically do. I mean, the earth itself, you, anything, all the creation is directly connected to and it demands a relationship with a God who is running the whole system. But he's a good God. With the word of his power, he holds it all together in the palm of his hand and he's an awesome. Who is he? Who's the one who qualified you? Who's the one who loves you? Who's the one who made you an heir? Who's the one who separated you from everything broken? Who's the one who gave you peace and reconciled you? He's the one who holds it all in the palm of his hands wow science admits it that there's something that keeps it all from spinning out of control give me another slide louis pasteur you remember louis pasteur pasteur he did pasteurization didn't he didn't louis do that Pasteur, I think he did. You don't know that? Cheryl, did he? Gordon? Yeah, he did. Pasteur, Louis Pasteur. Here's what he said. A little science estranges man from God, but much science will bring you right back. So people go to school, they get a little science. They're like, I got a bit of science and this is way more complicated than God. No, God's way more complicated than science. Science is no problem to God. And the more you get into it, the more you realize there is something supernatural behind this this incredible order, this incredible structure, this incredible creation, there is a divine part to it. And what's so beautiful is the divine part to it is not about you. And he wants to be in a vital personal relationship with you that has nothing to do with your effort. It just has to do with your belief that he is who he says he is. And three courses, $25 and a workbook. No, 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 no. Give me another slide. How am I doing, y'all? I'm getting? Thanks. I appreciate that. (laughs) Number five, he's the church's priority. He should be the church's priority. We should preach about Jesus every single week. Because Jesus is the priority. He is the head of the church. Have you ever walked up and said, hey, how you doing today? Good to see your feet. You're so awesome. What's going on today? Oh, yeah, nice knees. Little sunburned yesterday. Okay, you look at people's eyes. You look at their head. Your focal point, your point of contact is people's faces, face to face. He is the focal point of the church. He is the head of the church. He is the one who sustains it, resources it, bless it, feeds it, gives everything to it. He is the source of everything in the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. He is the first one. He defeated death once and for all. Somebody else got raised from the the dead, but he died again. But when Jesus got raised from the dead, he dealt with death. He dealt with hell. He dealt with the grave. He dealt with everything. He took it all and he's raised never to die again. He is raised to eternal life and he's the firstborn unto eternal life. But being the first to go through, he went through that he might bring many sons to glory. Wow. What are you shouting about? Are you kidding me? He is the church's priority. He is reigning in his church, and he's the redemption of his church. Oh, so good. He could have camped around any one of these things for four weeks, Pastor. I know I could have, but we gotta move on. Number six, he's qualified to redeem, Colossians 1, 19 to 20, for it pleased the Father. It was the delight and pleasure of the Father that all things, he put all things in Christ. It was God, the Father's infinite wisdom to put everything in Christ, to fill Christ with everything so that everything should dwell in him so that in him and by him he could reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Oh. Man, can't believe you're still sitting down. But that's okay. That's all right. Be comfortable. I'll sweat for you. Hallelujah. I mean, look at this. He is qualified to redeem. All fullness was placed in him so that he could reconcile all things to himself. The the timekeeper has left the building. Praise Jesus. Oh, oh, she'll be back. Oh, my God. Look at this though. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. All sin. Every single bit of it. The forgiveness of sins according to, according to what? The riches of his unmerited, beautiful, sloppy, kissing, loving favor. Wow, Hebrews 9, 22. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. So sin cannot be remitted. It cannot Remitted means to obliterate, to wipe out. It's gone forever. Oh no, when you get to heaven, there's going to be a big video screen and all your crap is going to get shown to everybody. Oh come on, I don't think I did that that many times. Obliterated. Absolutely, totally gone. 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 But you see, it's not gone without the shedding of blood. All through the old covenant, they had blood sacrifices. But none of those could satisfy. None of those could remove guilt. None of those could remove and touch your conscience. Constantly, every year, you did it again. And and you just, well, if only, if only, if only I felt free. If only, well, you know what? What Jesus did goes all the way into your soul realm. It goes right into your conscience, right into the fabric of your being. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. I got a lot of scripture for this. I really do. We got a lot of Bible for this good news. All right, give me the next slide. Hebrews 9, 7, not without blood, the high priest... Couldn't go into the presence of God without blood. This was a shadow and a type of the throne room of God. They went in to that throne room, that shadow, that type, but Jesus went into the reality. Jesus went into the real throne of God, and he took his own blood. He took the blood of God himself. You can't be redeemed or set free from anything else except the blood, and it has to be the blood of God, and Jesus took the blood, the very blood of God. He went into the very throne room of heaven, and there on the mercy seat in front of God, he he poured out his blood on the mercy seat on the throne of grace and that blood completely obliterated and removed every sin forever and it set you absolutely totally free your sins are forgiven you're restored to the father never to be separated again well what do you got to say for yourself I plead the blood you screwed up yesterday. I plead the blood. Well, you should be closer to God. Are you crazy? I'm closer than ever. I plead the blood. <laughs> Hebrews nine twelve. but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. All the fullness was in him. So that in his death, all the fullness was included. So that in the finished work of the cross, the blood of Jesus covered every single aspect of creation. It covered everything created. It covered everything to reconcile to himself everything in heaven, everything in earth, everything seen and everything unseen. His blood, once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Hey! Hey, 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 hey. oh Lord, is this good news for anybody? Somebody going, again, I got a headache. Don't have a headache. It's as simple as I'm telling you it is. It's not even complicated. It really is so good. Give me another slide because we're moving good. He gloriously reconciles. Oh, this is so good. What, what kind of reconciliation do I have, Pastor? Well, you were once alienated. You're enemies in your mind. In your mind, you couldn't even figure out how could a wonderful, glorious God like that even care about me? Why would he love me? Why am I even significant to him? You were alienated from him, but he dealt with it. You were enemies in your own mind, but he dealt with it. He poured the blood over your conscience. He went into your inner man. He made you spiritually alive, and it's only the blood that can do that. And he did it. He did it. He did it. Yet now he has reconciled in his body of his flesh through death to do what? To present you. To who? To the Father. To reconcile all things. To present you. Holy? I'm holy? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not because of what I say, and not because of what you do, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what that is? It's good news. I don't know about you, but I could use some good news sometimes. It's good news. So, good news, holy, blameless. Yeah, well, I got some things against you. Whoopie doo. Get over it. I forgive you. You forgive me. Let's be happy. If you want to hold a grudge, knock yourself out, but it's a waste of time. Because you know, what? he covered it all. And you know, what? I'm so totally forgiven. I forgive you. I want to forgive you. I delight to forgive you. In fact, holding a grudge is actually harder than forgiving you. Because forgiving you is so easy because I got a massive revelation of how much I've been forgiven and reconciled to God. Does anybody want some forgiveness? Because I am oozing with forgiveness. You can't offend me, hurt me. You can't do any of that because I'm forgiven. And because I'm forgiven, I won't even let you try to box me in. I won't even let you with your thoughts or accusations try to hand me in. Because you can't. Because the blood of Jesus has set me totally free. So I forgive you. (laughs) I'm blameless. And I'm above reproach. Where? In his stand before Almighty God. What do you got to say for yourself, Carl? I'm holy. I'm blameless. And I'm above reproach. Good for you. Good for you. I love Carl. He screws up all the time. But you know what? He runs right into my presence and says, what have you been doing? I'm holy. I'm blameless and above reproach. Good for you. Oh, rub your head again. Here's what some people do. Oh, my sin has separated me from God. Hasn't separated you from God. He dealt with your sin. Your sin, if you nurse it around in your head, it makes you in your mind an enemy of God. Your sin... Your sin can't separate you from Him. It can separate, it doesn't change God at all. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not like, oh, I'm the angry at sin of God now. No, you see, He said, I dealt with sin once and for all. You know what really ticks God off? Is when we make a big deal of things that He already dealt with. It's when we try to put on different garments to come to this presence. Hello, Father. I've come with special garments today. I've tried really hard this week. I've come with my try-hard garments. So what's up with you, Carl? I tried real. I was good this week. I was really good this week. I mean it. I mean it. it. Carl, what are you doing? Go back in the line. Get your head straight. Okay. Read Colossians. Okay. How you doing, Carl? I'm blameless. I'm I'm above reproach. I'm holy in your sight. Yes, yes. There you go. If you can't do that, it's the accuser messing with your head. He gloriously reconciles us. Let's go to the next one. All right, here it is. Gotcha. Gotcha, pastor. You preach a too good God. I can't wait till you get to heaven. He says, Carl, I wasn't that good. I can't believe you said I was that good. You're messing with a lot of people's heads saying I was that good. Wow, caused a lot of trouble with people won't happen because I could never even have the language to express how good God is he's way gooder than I can even explain and he's nuts about you okay quick before the time comes his gospel establishes us they establishes the good news establishes you it fixes you and it places you since now since and because indeed you continue in the faith it does take faith Here's one thing, it does take faith. And because you continue, how do you get in? By faith, how do you continue? By faith. What does it take to stand before a holy God with messed up things in your life? What does it take? You know what it takes? It takes faith. It takes faith to stand before a God feeling broken, feeling messed up, feeling like I disqualified myself all week and yet I've dragged myself in your presence. I said, God, he says, Carl, I'm nuts about you. I had a bad week. I'm still nuts about you. I plead the blood, (laughs) done. You're grounded, you're steadfast, and you are not moved away from the hope that is in the gospel which you heard, which was preached to you and then to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, am a minister. A couple more slides, a couple more, just to give you some doctrine. The Greek, the if, there are four ways to use if in the Greek. And this is not one of those conditional ways. The Greek if indicates an assumption of truth. It, it, Paul, assumes, assumes, he assumes that the Colossians will continue in the faith. This is not an if of the future. It is an if of the past. This is very, very important. This is a doctrinal, clear understanding of the scripture. This is why we got to interpret properly the English texts that we have, because they weren't written in English. They were written in Greek. So if you read it just in English, oh, so my blamelessness is conditional upon me being a good boy. Rubbish. It's conditional upon faith and I am confident that since you started in the faith you'll continue in the faith and you'll stay fixed in him because the one who called you is able to keep you. There's a perseverance of the saints that comes from him. This is not an if of the future. It's an if of the past. The word can be translated since and it should say since indeed you continue in the faith. Since indeed. Why would you say all that lofty stuff and then say now man? There is a chance still to screw it up. <laughs> as much as he did it, he's qualified to qualify you. You can still disqualify yourself. You didn't qualify yourself. You can't disqualify yourself. Amen. Thank you. See, a couple Couple people got it. I'll give you one more slide. One more ready. The condition of Colossians one twenty three is the first class condition. It's a first order first class condition. The writer is assuming this condition to be a reality and to be true. He is not continuing in order to be reconciled. He is continuing because he has already been reconciled. Because I'm reconciled. Because I have the revelation of who I am in Him and who He is. He's qualified to do it. He's qualified to qualify me. And because I embrace it and I. Believe Leave it as a finished work. I continue in the faith, blameless, holy, set apart, glorious in his sight. He's not continuing in order to be reconciled. That is you, the believer, the believer is not continuing to be reconciled, but he continues because he has a revelation that I have been reconciled with Christ. One more slide, I promise. one more. Oh my goodness, one more. He's mighty to save. Wow. See, Colossians is all about two words. The supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. The one who is absolutely supreme is absolutely sufficient. So the one who is absolutely supreme, he is able to do absolutely what he said. The one who is absolutely supreme because of his finished work of his blood is absolutely qualified to completely bring you into a relationship with him. To make you holy and blameless holy and blameless and beyond reproach in His sight. Isn't that good news? I don't like it. If you don't like it, you're just hooked on some bad stuff. You've been drinking some nasty, nasty stuff. Because that's what the gospel is. It's good news. It's not cheap. It was incredibly costly. But in the same way, you have to come through one way. It's through the finished work of the cross. It's not by work so nobody can boast. It's the finished work of the cross alone and nothing else. Or it's a different gospel and it's a heresy. That's why Colossians is just as important today. And aren't you glad we're doing a study of the book of the Bible? Aren't you? Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. Come on. So why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes. Just uh, one time, I just want to ask. If you're here today and you, you never saw it that way never understood that you just you just had a presentation from the Bible itself from God's own word about how powerful and beautiful and wonderful Jesus is but he is all of those things so that he could shed his blood so that by shedding his blood he could bring you into a perfect relationship with him so what do you do then by faith. What is faith? Faith is saying I believe what you just preached pastor. I believe that Jesus is who you just said he is and I believe that what he did it includes me. And when he wanted to reconcile all things to himself and have peace with all things and bring it all into a relationship with him that included me and I'd like to say right now preacher I believe that. Now, if you believe that or if you already believe that, great. But if you've never embraced that and for the first time in your life, you want to say, I'm in. I am 100% in. Thank you, Jesus. If you've never done that before, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, would you put your hand up high where I can see it? And you're going to do it today. You're going to be brought in reconciled to the Father, a child of God. Are you ready? Here it is. One two, three. Just throw your hand up really high. Oh, you know, I'm telling you, I know God's working on your heart. You're, you're literally trying to hold that hand down, but it's him. He loves you. He's right there with you face to face. And he loves you right now. You still got time right now. Just put up your hand and lift it up really high so I can see it. Lift it up really high. Anyone, anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Lift your hand up really high. See, include me. I'm in. I believe. Anyone else? You can do it right now. Wow. All right, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Everybody, pray with me. Let's pray with this brother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, I thank you that you did all this for me. I plead the blood and I thank you for the cross. I declare my sins are forgiven, I am healed and I am free now come Holy Spirit fill me fill me with the presence of God testify with my spirit speak to me that I am a child of God thank you for being my Lord and being my Savior in Jesus name amen welcome to the family welcome to the family Wow. Hey, I'm going to ask those who are going to be praying today, our elders and folks that are assigned to pray, would you come on up? And there may be folks today that you came, you need prayer. You need some other thing you need ministry for. There's a need in your life that there's just something incomplete that you just need to do some more business with the Lord. We are here to pray for you. And we never want somebody to go with, you know, something not totally met in their lives. So, you know, the altar's open to you today. So I'm going to close in prayer. You ready? Heavenly Father, thank you for being such a wonderful God. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that illuminates the word. Thank you that you've been breathing on the word today and refreshing our hearts in the revelation of what a glorious salvation we have. And so Father, I command now the revelation of your great love. Father, your great love. Let it abound to everyone. Your grace, Jesus, your great grace and favor. Let it be realized in every heart and every life. And Holy Spirit, thank you for your ongoing partnership. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you never leave me or forsake me. But you constantly are working with me, partnering to manifest all the goodness of God. So I bless this house in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day.